New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 27th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds this morning, then some rain this afternoon. High 56. Tonight Night and overnight, steady rain, low 51, and then Wednesday's kind of a washout. Rain most of the day, high 61, though. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 30 and partly cloudy in Nanuet up in Rockland County, 33 and partly cloudy in Demarest down in New Jersey, and it is 39 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up, 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. The president causing all kinds of craziness in the city yesterday. It was a short visit. He popped into the city at the heliport downtown. This was about 2 o'clock or so. Then he did a fundraiser on the east side, moved over to Rockefeller Center, shot an episode of the Seth Meyers show, and then had some ice cream, (laughs) and then jetted out of town. But, boy, when you realize the manpower, every time they bring the president, not just Biden, but any president for that matter, into Manhattan, it is, you know, just a shutdown everywhere. And as I drove out, I got out, thank God, before he got in. But everywhere I drove, and we were right in the path of where the president was going to be, there were just cops and cars everywhere, all kinds of security. He does this path where he seems to come down. He stays at the same hotel. And so they have his limo come down right next to our studio. So we get to see him almost every time he's in town. We see his limo fly by on East 49th Street. And yesterday I heard, you know, he flew by on East 49th Street. He landed JFK. And then he was back home in bed probably about, I don't know, 8 o'clock or so last night. Uh, while he was here, he talked about the mess in the Middle East. Uh, here he was at Van Leeuwen Ice Cream Parlor, which is right next to 30 Rock, where a reporter, as he held an ice cream comb, asked him about a potential ceasefire in the Middle East. My national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. Yeah, so then once he finished the ice cream cone, uh, he sat down with Seth Meyer. Seth Meyer, the one that's on at 1230. I always forget which one. I think he's the late, late show. Nobody watches these shows, by the way, in real time anymore. It's all the stuff that's uploaded onto social media afterwards. But uh, he asked President Biden for more details about this potential ceasefire between Hamas and Israel. There is a pass forward. The hostages being held must be released. And if we've got a some principal agreement, there will be a ceasefire while that takes place. Ramadan's coming up, and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well in order to give us time to get all the hostages out. So there's a process underway that I think if we get that, that temporary ceasefire, we're going to be able to move in a direction where we can change the dynamic and not have a two-state solution, 
immediately, but a process to get to a two-state solution. Now, the hostage families, they were speaking out yesterday after hearing this from Joe Biden, saying that they were excited to hear that potentially 40 hostages could be released in the next four or five weeks in return for Palestinian prisoners in jails in Israel. But they say that didn't go far enough. Then uh, they go on. Uh, Seth Meyer gave the president this very friendly environment because Seth Meyer is friendly towards Joe Biden to talk about a couple other things. One of them, of course, his age and what that means for the White House. And here's what Joe Biden said last night. And this isn't a gotcha show, but I do want to ask about it. That says you are currently 81 years old. Who the hell told you that? Yeah. That's classified. That's classified. According to recent polling, this is a real concern for American voters. How do you address that concern going forward as you come up to the 2024 election? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am, but he can't remember his wife's name. Yeah. It's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that are... 50, 60 years, they've been solid American positions. It's clear the White House is trying to put the president in these friendly environments to do some interviews, and that was definitely the case, Seth Meyer, last night on NBC. Let's bring it back uh, here over and go to Brooklyn. A bodega worker shot to death in Crown Heights yesterday. Officers discovering this 37-year-old man, gunshot wound to the head, had worked at this bodega on uh, Franklin Avenue for years. His mom actually raced to the scene and detailed what she was told about the gunfire. The guy asked him to buy him a black and mild, and he said no, and they started to argue. And when the guy went to draw the gun, Nazim seen it, and they they had a tussle over it. And they said that they tussled, and, you know, when you bend down and you're tussling, and the guy pointed the gun right to the side of his head, the back of his head. He was taken to the Kings County Hospital where he passed away. Victim's mother identifying him as Nassim Barry. He apparently grew up and lived with his grandmother since he was five years old and as a known guy in the neighborhood. Beautiful person. Beautiful person. I knew that it had to be over something stupid because I know his heart. Well, it's always over something stupid. Apparently, in this case, somebody wanted a cigar for free, and Nassim told him, no, he had to pay for it. So he left the store, came back, and that's when he shot Nassim in the head over a a cigar. That's probably a couple bucks. Nassim's proud when he's over here on the corner to work and love everybody and help who he can help. Yeah, so police say that gunman fled on foot, wearing a black and gold sweater. So far, no arrests have been made. The investigation ongoing. The MTA apparently testing something new to try and keep subway conductors safe now. It's a pilot program with four-foot-tall orange posts installed to the areas adjacent to where conductors' cabs stop so as to increase the visibility of no standing zones at the 125th Street station in Harlem. It should also potentially discourage riders from standing there, potentially and hopefully cutting down on attacks on conductors as well. The barriers, if affected, may be installed at other stations. The MTA describes the program as part of a larger effort to boost subway safety. 
James Flippin for 77 WABC News. WABC News Time 509. Vigils continue to be held around the nation for 16-year-old Oklahoma high school student who died after a fight in a school bathroom. Next, Benedict, who identified as non-binary, died a day after a fight with three girls who were allegedly picking on them at Owasso High. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says she's heartbroken over Nex's death. Every kid should feel safe uh, and should feel protected when they go to school. Apparently a little more to this story. Benedict admitted pouring water over these girls leading to the fight. People holding vigils in Benedict's honor from Boston to California to Texas to Oklahoma. Students at Owasso High walked out of school. That is something for the Department of Justice to decide on. I cannot speak to that. Obviously, our hearts go out. Uh, to um, to next Benedict's family. It is a tragedy that is awful. WABC News Time 510. The Supreme Court appears to be divided after hearing arguments in cases involving how social media companies handle online content. The court is examining Republican-backed laws in Texas and Florida that were put in place over claims TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and others dislike conservative speech. The laws were enacted in 2021 after the companies banned former President Trump from their platforms. Some of the justices expressed concerns the laws could cover other platforms like Uber, Google, and Amazon Web Services. The social media companies have compared themselves to newspapers who can't be told which information to publish. But supporters of the new laws argue the companies are like telephone operators since they are transmitting content created by others, not themselves. I'm Lisa Taylor. A missing American couple believed to be dead. After escaped inmates allegedly hijacked their yacht in Granada, Sue Ellen Damaris says she's wondering what happened to her sister Kathy and her brother Ralph. This tragedy that's happened, it's not just losing Ralph and Kathy, it's losing a way of life, it's losing our center. Yeah, so this couple was seen about a week ago at the beach on the Iowa Nation. Police located their boat. They captured the three escaped criminals that allegedly stole it. Authorities say they found evidence that suggests the pair were killed, but their deaths have not been confirmed because they found no bodies. Uh, so far, they're still looking for them. Maybe being here, we're saving somebody else. What if Ralph's boat hadn't been there that day? What if he hadn't gone into town? Would it have been the next boat over? They loved and took care of Simplicity. And when you were invited onto Simplicity, you were made to feel as magical as they were and as magical as that boat was. Yeah, Simplicity, the name of their boat, apparently it was everything to this couple. So far, no sign of either of their bodies. Let's go out to the 2024 race for the White House primary day in Michigan today. This is a um, big day for Donald Trump. He will likely defeat Nikki Haley again after beating her in her home state of South Carolina over the weekend. But so far, she's staying in the race. This is more about the health of the Republican Party. This is about the health of our country. And what I'm trying to do is show that there is a hole in our boat. Yeah, so she's claiming there's no way that former President Trump can get enough vote come November if he's only getting so much of the Republican vote right now in the primaries. And she says... That's why she's staying in the race. I'm a Republican. This isn't about me. This is more about the health of the Republican Party. This is about the health of our country. And what I'm trying to do is show that there is a hole in our boat. And if you look at Donald Trump from any of the polls in early states, he did not get 40 percent in any of the early states. 
It is very hard to win a general election if you can't do that. Yeah, there are some Republican leaders quietly saying that that is an issue. Meanwhile, President Biden does not have a major primary challenger in the Democratic contest in Michigan today, but he faces some headwinds there as Arab American activists in the state are rallying voters to put uncommitted on their ballot instead of voting for Biden to show their opposition to his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, there's problems, of course, both sides, Republicans, Democrats, California Governor Gavin Newsom's name has been touted as a presidential candidate in the event President Biden decides not to run for reelection. Newsom was asked about this and he says that he's not even interested in talking about it anymore. And by the way, I think it's a damning conversation. Frankly, the other side wants us to have. And trust me, I know the Michigash coming from the other side. I'm deeply mindful of the anger machine and all the entertainment industry out there on Fox and elsewhere that love ginning this stuff up. Yeah, it seemed early on Newsom was setting himself up for a primary challenge to Joe Biden back down. Now he says he's happy with the accomplishments of the Biden-Harris team. You know what? That's a sideshow. I think what Democrats need to do is worry less, do more, continue to overperform as we have, continue to win, make the case. WABC News Time 514. Let's go down to the Texas-U.S.-Mexico border. President Biden will visit the U.S.-Mexico border on Thursday as he faces sharp criticism for his immigration policy. He will discuss the urgent need to pass the Senate bipartisan border security agreement, the toughest and fairest set of reforms to secure the border in decades. White House Secretary Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre on uh, the Air Force One with the president yesterday, urging Republicans to take up the border deal recently negotiated by a bipartisan group of senators. Stop playing politics and to provide the funding needed for additional U.S. Border Patrol agents, more asylum officers, fentanyl detection technology, and more. President Biden will travel to Brownsville, Texas, to meet with U.S. Border Patrol agents, law enforcement, and local leaders. Meanwhile, Donald Trump will visit Eagle Pass, Texas, on the very same day, on Thursday, to tour the border there. 515 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Good morning to you, Noam Alayden. It was an exciting night at the Garden last night with the Knicks pulling out the last minute 113 to 111 victory over the lowly Detroit Pistons. Jalen Brunson missed a three-pointer, eventually got the ball back and passed it to Josh Hart for the go-ahead basket. Just under three seconds to play. In between, there were three turnovers and a missed foul call in one of the most chaotic and controversial possessions of the season. Brunson had 35 points and 12 assists for the Knicks, but again, kicked off one of the more wild sequences of the year that led to an irate Pistons head coach, Monty Williams, following the game. Detroit chased down the rebound, but threw it away, then appeared to recover when a Sir Thompson stole a pass by Dante DiVincenzo. But then Thompson lost the ball during a collision with DiVincenzo along the sideline, and therein lies the dispute. The Knicks came up with it. And Brunson found Hart under the basket for his layup while being fouled. Upon postgame review, though, referees determined that DiVincenzo fouled Thompson and never should have gotten that ball back. Quote, the absolute worst call of the season, says head coach, uh, Pistons head coach Monty Williams, said during his press uh, brief postgame remarks before storming out of the uh, press room. So he was very, very unhappy, but a loss. The Knicks get the win. Doesn't matter how you get there. In much less exciting fashion, the Nets pulled out a rare victory on the road in Memphis last night, beating the Grizzlies 111-86. to Dennis Schroeder scored 18 points. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith added 13-9. and And the Nets delivered Kevin Ollie his first win as an NBA head coach. Camp Thomas had 14 points before leaving the game with about seven minutes remaining with a right ankle injury, so we'll keep an eye on that. 
Lonnie Walker added 13 for Brooklyn. In the NHL, Bo Horvath scored at just uh, about the three-minute mark of overtime, his second OT winner against Dallas this season. And the Islanders beat the Stars 3-2 in Dallas last night. Ryan Pulak had a goal and an assist, and Kyle McLean also scored for the Isles in their second win in their last seven tries. It was Sorokin stopped 30 shots in a route to the victory. The uh, Islanders are tied with the Devils in the Eastern Conference standings, with both teams seven points behind Tampa Bay for the second wildcard spot. The Washington Capitals are currently one point ahead of the Islanders and Devils. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, those aforementioned Devils return to action on the road in San Jose, set to face off with the Sharks at 10.30 p.m. That is your sports note, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. You probably won't be surprised to hear the suspect, the immigrant suspect in the death of that University of Georgia student is likely committed other crimes. NBC Marissa Para is in Athens, Georgia. They arrested Ibarra at least twice. Once along the border about two years ago, and another time last September in New York City. Yeah, Jose Ibarra arrested for the murder of 22-year-old Lakin Riley, whose body was found last week, wooded area near the school. Ibarra from Venezuela reportedly came to the U.S. in 2022. He's charged with felony murder, false imprisonment, kidnapping now. We're hearing from conservatives, including the local congressman, who says that President Joe Biden has blood on his hands. Women saying they're afraid to walk alone, afraid to walk without pepper spray. Some of them talking about carrying pepper spray for the very first time. And there's no evidence that Ibarra knew Riley, and police say her death was a crime of opportunity, Ibarra being held without bound. A strategy by Texas to fly illegal immigrants into sanctuary cities has come with a pretty hefty price tag. Invoices now show that Texas has spent $845,000 on charter flights, which angers some local lawmakers there. We could improve our schools. We can improve our roads. We could improve public safety. There's a lot of things that taxpayer dollars should be going to other than flying migrants around the country. State Senator Jose Menendez says when you break down the cost, Texas was paying about $1,200 to fly each migrant to places like New York and Chicago, and he says that defies logic. I'm sure if we polled the majority of taxpayers, they could tell us there are a lot better things to use the money on. It feels like the governor is using taxpayer funds to just uh, create, you know, political points. In addition to those flights, Texas spent about $150 million busing migrants across the country. But you can make the argument, and I imagine some people will in Texas, that it would cost a whole lot more to keep them in Texas. Down to Florida, two more, ki- two more kids have been diagnosed with measles in Broward County. Real big outbreak, or it looks like one, bringing... Uh, the total to eight people now, but they think it's going to grow. Former State Surgeon General Scott Rifkes says concerned parents should get their children vaccinated for measles. If you have not been vaccinated and you're exposed to measles, meaning you're in an area where somebody who's had measles or um, is um, developing it within for two hours, uh, you have a 90 percent chance of getting measles. Yeah. So here's the problem is uh, you don't have to show whether you've been immunized to get into schools in Florida. So they don't know how many people 
do or do not or don't have the measles shot in Florida schools right now. If you are not vaccinated and you are exposed, the recommendations are to isolate or quarantine uh, for uh, uh, 21 days, which is the period of incubation. Individuals cannot have symptoms and spread measles for four days before they develop symptoms. So you don't know whether you have measles or not, and you can still be spreading it to other individuals. Do you remember when we were kids, maybe that you didn't do this in your house, but in my house, one kid got measles and my mother put everybody into the same room so everybody got it so she could get it out of the way. And that seemed to work. The uh, latest cases here in Florida reportedly in children between the ages of five and nine. And no surprise, it looks like none of them had gotten their measles shot. Last week, AT&T's outage was not the result of a cyber attack, but experts say it does give us a taste of what it would be if it was a cyber attack. All of a sudden, 911 calls don't go through anymore. A lot of uh, services that you might use on your phone where you don't have Wi-Fi. University of Texas. Oh, sorry there. University of Texas San Antonio professor Max Kilger says the outage should be a wake-up call to businesses. Not only, he says, do they need to address cybersecurity, but he says they have to have an action plan on what to do if their cell phone network goes down. It's a nasty reminder of how dependent we are upon digital infrastructure. Yeah, I think it's a nice wake-up call without too many nasty consequences. Yeah, well, the old landline, that helps, I guess. California Governor Gavin Newsom launching a television ad campaign targeting laws that ban out-of-state travel for abortions. Newsom says it's a serious fight against people who want to control women. The conditions are much more pernicious than they even appear. These guys are not just restricting the rights, self-determination to bear a child for a young woman, but they're also determining their fate as it relates to their future in life by saying they can't even travel. Yeah, so this TV ad, it features a pregnant teenage girl with her arm handcuffed to a hospital bed. Fifteen states have abortion bans. Alabama recently enacted an abortion travel ban. At least three other states are considering similar laws. Trump Republicans want to criminalize young women who travel to receive the reproductive care they need. Yeah, that's the ad from California. Gavin Newsom says he's proud of it. The AG himself of Alabama wants to criminalize travel, not just for children, but for adults seeking reproductive care. That's how serious this moment is, and we need to be even more aggressive, I would argue, and that's what this ad represents. Let's go down to Texas 524. President Biden putting a pause on new liquefied natural gas exports. Texas Senator Ted Cruz is taking it very personally. He was mad that Texas was fighting to secure our border, and I think it was done as a deliberate blow to the state of Texas that that makes no sense. Texas is second in the nation when it comes to LNG exports. Cruz slamming the decision for emboldening, he says, our enemies. So Biden just helped Russia. He helped Venezuela. He helped Iran. Cruz says the president's plan to pause new liquefied natural gas exports is the opposite of going green. They're going to buy natural gas from other sources and just about every producer on earth produces in a much dirtier way than Texas does. Yes, so he also says if the U.S. cannot provide energy to Europe, they'll just turn towards uh, Russia. A toler, uh, rather, a total solar eclipse will cross North America this spring. On April the 8th, Americans in 15 states will be able to see the moon almost totally cover the sun, casting a shadow over it and creating the effect of a fiery ring in the sky. Some of the states in the path are Texas, Oklahoma, Illinois, Ohio, New York, and Maine. Skies will temporarily darken in the path of totality, but in all other states in the U.S., viewers will be able to see a partial solar eclipse with the moon appearing to take a bite out of the sun.
I'm Mark Mayfield. A Florida college student blasting a court order preventing him from tracking and sharing Taylor Swift's private jet location on social media. UCF student Jack Sweeney says Elon Musk also had a problem with his jet tracking. Elon contacted me and he offered me $5,000 to stop and then, and then he suspended my account. Sweeney's legal team's fighting back against Swift, arguing the information is publi- publicly available, which it is, and that his social media posts are protected speech. Sweeney says he continues to track Swift's jet despite a legal threat from her team. Figure out which planes are what and then you can look up who owns what planes and I wrote a program to automatically post the planes that I want to certain social media accounts and that's what I did. And the only reason Taylor's account got big and became a problem like they see it is because the Taylor Swift fans are the ones who made it grow and shared the links, followed it and whatever. Yeah, he makes a good point. He says the information's out there and people are sharing it like crazy. Students out of middle school. Beverly Hills facing disciplinary action now for allegedly circulating AI-generated nudes of their fellow students. An investigation continues at Beverly Vista Middle School, where the mother of one student claims many girls were targeted. She called the incidents frightening and a form of bullying that should be punished. She also said she wants the companies behind the AI technology to be held accountable. It's unclear how many students were victimized, how many were behind the acts, and whether any images were posted to social media. I'm Phil Hewlett. The opening bell rings this morning after stocks closed slightly lower yesterday to get the week rolling on Wall Street. Investors took a breather ahead of fresh economic data with the benchmark sitting near record highs. Reports on durable goods, consumer confidence, and consumer prices all in focus this week. At the closing bell yesterday, the Dow lost 62 points. S&P 500 fell 19. The Nasdaq lost 20 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 27th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds this morning. Rain this afternoon. Going to be warm. High 56. And then Tonight and overnight, steady rain, low 51. Wednesday, rain most of the day and then warm again, high 61. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 30, partly cloudy, Nanuet up in Rockland County. It's 33 and partly cloudy in Demarest down in New Jersey. And it's clear skies here in Midtown and 39. We'll start this half hour up in the Bronx with this amazing moment at the Albert Einstein School of Medicine yesterday. They assemble all the doctoral students in for which is essentially an old school types assembly where you bring all the students together to make some big announcement. But this announcement was just huge. Ruth Gottesman, who's chair of the Einstein Board of Trustees, got up to make a speech and she told the students that she was going to pay for their education and everybody else's as well for years to come. The Albert Einstein College of Medicine will be tuition free. Can you imagine the uh, money coming from her late husband's investment in Berkshire Hathaway, an investment that is now changing lives? Uh, the students coming forward afterwards after realizing that their schooling would be paid for, saying 
this is just life changing. My parents are immigrants, um, so they worked so hard for so long to, you know, try and put me through college. And I think just for my family as a whole, it'll have such a big impact. Um, and it takes a lot of the pressure off. Yeah, what a way to spend her money. The historic announcement allows current fourth-year students to be reimbursed for their spring semester tuition. And effective beginning in August of this year, all students moving forward will receive free tuition at the college. I was taking out, I think, 60 k for the tuition and then more for living expenses and rent. Um, so probably all together... I think I'm saving now like 180000 And then with interest, I probably more to half a million. My dad, he currently like works as an Uber driver, so he doesn't make a lot of money. So this, this has been like a huge impact on my family. Um, yeah, that's like the first thing I just like call my parents and they're like super, super happy about it. Yeah, and the gift from the head of the board of trustees, she says it's intended to attract a talented, diverse pool of students who may not otherwise have the means to pursue a medical education. The nation goes to the school in the Bronx where the poverty rate is higher than any borough in the city. It's the least healthy county in the state. High rates of obesity, premature death. Doctors educated at the school can choose to work there. And that's another way that the donation is doing good. And students say they're inspired by this, of course, that their tuition is going to be paid for. And they say they will pay it forward when they finish school. I was thinking if someone handed me a billion dollars, you know, would my first thought be to help medical students? So I don't know. Um, it's really inspiring and it makes me want to give back in the future. It is really inspiring. So as of the 2023 school year, Einstein, uh, Einstein is home to 737 MD students, 209 PhD students, and 124 students in combined MD PhD programs. All of their education is now going to be paid for it. Amazing. Governor Hochul out on Long Island yesterday visiting the Muslim community there, the Islamic Center of Melville. The high-profile visit follows this racially charged outburst last week, which left many mosque members really frightened. This 46-year-old creep, Jordan Endler, shows up at the mosque last week, and he just starts harassing these members of the mosque, talking about the Israel-Hamas war, uh, making some comments that were clearly racist. So Hochul was there yesterday saying that she's with these members of the mosque. I just wanted to convey to them that we're here to support them, that we don't tolerate any forms of hate, especially as we're approaching Ramadan. There will be enhancing security patrols here uh, as needed. They're working closely with the Suffolk police as well. Now, initially, they didn't do anything with this 46-year-old Jordan Endler, but now they charge him with trespassing and harassment after he was seen on camera berating these worshipers at the mosque. The head of this mosque says uh, she's thankful that the governor showed up yesterday. We're very happy that she and the police and, you know, everybody that reached out, you know, took the security concerns seriously. just want to convey... Our values as New Yorkers, that we do not tolerate uh, hateful incidences as occurred here just a few days ago. Yeah, $25 million grant programs been put out there now aimed at helping religious institutions build up their security platforms, and they need to do that. Leaders at the mosque say they will apply for that funding. WABC News Time 539 out to Long Island, where... A man is accused of attempting to murder his parents while they were sleeping in their new Hyde Park house. This happened over the weekend. He was arraigned yesterday. Police say 24-year-old Joshua Wilk 
entered his parents' bedroom Saturday night, began attacking his mother, 64 years old, his father, 60, with a knife in their Cherrywood home. Wilk's mother had multiple stab wounds to her neck and chest. His father sustained multiple stab wounds to his neck, chest, and face. Neighbors say the father at one point was able to run out of the home, ring doorbells asking for anyone for help. When she saw him come out, he was in all black. The kid black gloves, black hat and everything. It's sad too because I knew the mom and she was a nice lady. Yeah, she's still alive, but they're in critical condition. Police adding a little more information to the story this morning. They say that when Wilk ran towards, uh, ran out of his house when he was about to be arrested, he ran towards his dad and punched him and began strangling him. Officers were able to remove him from his dad. Uh, he resisted being arrested by tensing his body, flailing his arms. Uh, he's going to spend a long time, no doubt, in prison. Faces up to 5 to 25 years in prison on top of a whole bunch of other charges. A bail was set yesterday as he faced that judge at $200,000 bond. 540 out to Newark where a community is deep in mourning. The loss of a teenager who was killed in a late night crash just one block from his home. Loved ones leaving flowers, candles at the intersection of Montclair Avenue and Clifton Streets last night where 13-year-old Edwin Ivan Martinez died on Sunday night. He was in the passenger seat when they were hit by another car. They He was in the car with his cousin, and they had just gone out to get something to eat when they smashed into each other. He was funny. He was he was a good guy to talk with. He gave, he gave good advice, and he was just honestly a great person. Yeah, so his cousin, who was driving, is still in the hospital, expected to survive. We don't know the condition of the driver of the other car. The Essex County Prosecutor's Office says the collision under investigation, family says he was getting food with his older cousin who was driving, seriously injured in the crash. Teachers at Park Elementary School, just blocks from the crash scene, broke the news yesterday to students uh, and in his eighth grade class. It hurts me because that means like I won't be able to see him no more. The school told us when we heard, I, well, we all broke down in tears. Yeah, Martinez's teammates say he was a great soccer player. They all signed a soccer ball, left it at the memorial last night. The husband of a late NYU doctor is suing Disney World now after he says his wife died from an allergic reaction there. Reading the lawsuit, Dr. Kenapork Tasong ate at the Raglan Road restaurant in Disney Springs. This was back in October. She told the waiter she was highly allergic to dairy and nuts, and the waiter guaranteed the staff would prepare allergen-free food. However, this lawsuit states that she died shortly after and had elevated levels of dairy and nuts in her system. Lawsuit seeks more than $50,000 in damages. uh, And uh, we didn't hear anything from Disney World, but we did hear from the head of the Food Allergy Research and Education Network, and they say this kind of stuff happens too often. There has to be more training. We need to work with the restaurant industry to better prepare the kitchen staff and wait staff so that these kinds of things no longer happen. NYU Langone, where she worked as a doctor, say they're saddened by her passing. Deepest condolences, but they didn't want to weigh in on the lawsuit. Let's bring it back here into Midtown. The teenager stabbed in last week's Times Square attack recovering. Cops believe the attack was fueled by migrants affiliated with a violent gang. The NYPD chief, John Shell, says when it comes to migrants committing violent acts, they need help from the federal government to stop them. That's stealing the bag of chips. Violent crimes, you should be removed from our country immediately. You forfeited the right 
of an American dream. Three people now in custody in the deadly shooting last week on the subway. NYPD Chief of Transit Mike Kemper says Justin Haraday, Betty Cotto, and Alfredo Trinidad were picked up yesterday afternoon in the Bronx. This is an active investigation. This is a homicide investigation. This is as serious as it gets. The three accused of killing William Alvarez, Alvarez on a D-train at the Fordham Road subway stop last Friday. The NYPD confirming that Alvarez died from gunshot wounds. He had nothing to do with what was going on, but was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was the second deadly subway incident in 11 days. Our cops are uh, out there. They're visible. Uh, they're under immense pressure. They do a very challenging job. Yeah, well, good job by the police catching up with those uh, dopes involved in that crime. Has, have you guys been watching Where's Wendy Williams? <laughs> have any of you been watching this? I need somebody else to watch this with me. That is crazy. It began airing on Lifetime over the weekend, and it raises a whole lot more questions than it answers. Of course, Wendy Williams was the former great DJ on radio. Then she had her own TV talk show. But this documentary followers her and shows her just the worst moments of her life. I mean, drinking entire bottles of alcohol. You know, she's now apparently in a treatment facility being helped for dementias as well as aphasia. But this documentary clearly was shot before that all came down. Did you see a neurologist to find out if I'm crazy? Mm-hmm. You, uh, you have to come. <laughs> Someone has to watch this with me. Did you drink this whole thing today? Keep it there. Okay. Keep it there. My mom, she always talks about how she wants to work. I feel as though she's worked enough. Yeah, the film's original intent was to pave a way for Williams to come back via podcast, but clearly now she's not going to make that comeback. All I know is how to be famous. I really want to be back on television. You're going to be back on TV. That's easy. Yeah, my wife won't watch this with me, but I'm telling you, it is great. I mean, it's hard to watch, but it's called Where's Wendy Williams? And it's on the Lifetime Network, which is not usually aimed at people like me, but I am all over it. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. I'll watch it with you. Oh, you watch it tonight so we can discuss tomorrow. <laughs> okay, yeah. We'll just ix, we'll ixnay on the uh, on the sports report yeah, and we'll do a uh, Where's Wendy Williams debrief instead. Yeah, you can just go Knicks win, Islanders win, and then we'll talk about Wendy Williams. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll need uh, probably a whole lot more than two minutes just to do that now. Uh, but in the way of sports, was an exciting night at the Garden last night with the Knicks pulling out the last-minute 113-111 victory over the lowly Detroit Pistons. Jalen Brunson missed a three-pointer, eventually got the ball back and passed it to Josh Hart for the go-ahead basket with just under three seconds remaining. In between, there were three turnovers and a missed foul call in one of the most chaotic and controversial possessions of the NBA season. Brunson had 35 points and 12 assists for the Knicks, but again, kicked off one of the more wild sequences of the year that led to an irate Pistons head coach, Monty Williams, following the game. Detroit chased down the rebound, but threw it away, then appeared to recover when uh, a Sir Thompson stole a pass by Dante DiVincenzo, but then Thompson lost the ball during a collision with DiVincenzo along the sideline. That's where the dispute lies. The uh, Knicks came up with it, and Brunson found Hart under the basket for his layup while being fouled. Upon post-game review, though, referees determined that DiVincenzo fouled Thompson and never should have gotten that ball back. Quote, the absolute worst call of the season, Williams said during his brief post-game remarks before storming out of the press room. A win is a win, though, if you're the Knickerbockers. In much less exciting fashion, the Nets pulled out a rare victory on the road in Memphis last night, beating the Grizzlies 111-86. Dennis Schroeder scored 18 points. Dorian Finney-Smith added 13 and 9 rebounds and uh, the Nets delivered Kevin Ollie his first win as an NBA coach or head coach I should say 
Cam Thomas had 14 points before leaving the game with about uh, seven minutes remaining with a right angle injury. And Lonnie Walker added 13 for the Nets. In the NHL, Bo Horvat scored at just about the three-minute mark of overtime, his second OT winner against Dallas this season. And the Islanders beat the Stars 3-2 to out in Dallas last night. Ryan Pulak had a goal and an assist, and Kyle McLean also scored for the Islanders in their second win in seven games. It was Sorokin stopped 30 shots in a round to the victory to boot. The Islanders uh, are tied with the Devils in the Eastern Conference standings with both teams seven points behind Tampa Bay for the second wildcard spot. The Washington Capitals are currently one point ahead of the Isles and Devs. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, those aforementioned Devils return to action on the road in San Jose, set to face off with the Sharks at 10.30 p.m. That's your Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you. I've gotten four messages while you're doing the sports report of people who want to weigh in on Wendy Williams. One woman <laughs> saying she's mortified that the family agreed to let this documentary Yeah, air. I would be, too. I Just by the clips I've been hearing, that, that sounds yeah. about right. All right, so that's your assignment tonight. Watch it, and we will discuss tomorrow. All right, I'm very good with these, uh, with these assignments. Yeah. I, I do my homework. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's get you up on some of the big stories of the morning. The president here yesterday... Uh, getting some cash at some fundraisers for his White House campaign. Then he went over to Rockefeller Center where he did a taping of the Seth Meyers show, the late night show. Uh, as he was walking in, he was met with Jewish anti-war protesters in the lobby of 30 Rock. He then went next door before that interview to the Van Leeuwen ice cream parlor to have an ice cream cone. Reporters yelling out questions asked at him. And one of them was asking the president, whether there would truly be a ceasefire between Hamas and Israel. My national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. And a short time later, he sat down for that interview with Seth Meyer. And the first one of the first questions Seth asked him was about this ceasefire. There is a path forward. The hostages being held must be released. And if we've got a, at least a principal agreement, there will be a ceasefire while that takes place. Ramadan's coming up, and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well in order to give us time to get all the hostages out. So there's a process underway that I think if we get that that temporary ceasefire, we're going to be able to move in a direction where we can change the dynamic and not have a two-state solution immediately, but a process to get to a two-state solution. Now, this was no hard-hitting interview. But well, no, listen, and also he talked about Ramadan, and we're going to play a cut today from mm-hmm. your friend Alex Trayman, JNS. Mm-hmm. Trayman was on the show last week. Unprovoked, he brought up Ramadan. I right. didn't bring it up. I had no idea it even starts March the 10th. It Neither does. does Biden. He said, uh, just so you know, with Ramadan coming up, that could be a very dangerous time for Israelis because the terrorists love to attack at that time. He said they're going to the mosques. The imams tell them, go kill the Jews. They're fasting. They're angry all day. So while Biden talks about the Israelis, you know, kind of pulling back for Ramadan, Alex Trayman, who lives in Jerusalem, told us just last week that Ramadan is a very violent period for the Muslims. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We're going to play all that today. That's right. coming up. All right. Uh, Biden then asked in this friendly environment with uh, Seth about his age and what that means for the White House. Here was the president's response. And this isn't a gotcha show, but I do want to ask about it that says you are currently 81 years old. Who the hell told you that? Yeah. <laughs> That's classified. That's classified. According to recent polling, this is a real concern for American voters. How do you address that concern going forward as you come up to the 2024 election? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am, but he can't remember his wife's name. Yeah. 
It's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that are 50, 60 years. They've been solid American positions. Yeah, clear the White House is going to pick and choose where the president sits down for these interviews. He opted out of the Super Bowl interview, but did a very friendly interview with Seth Meyer, who's clearly a fan of the president. A bodega worker shot and killed in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, yesterday. Shooting taking place 801 Franklin Avenue. Uh, Avenue, rather, Officers discovered this 37-year-old man, bullet to the head. His mom racing to the scene, detailing what she was told about the gunfire. The guy asked him to buy him a black and mile, and he said no, and they started to argue. And when the guy... I should tell you, a black and mile is a cigar. Went to draw the gun, Nazim seen it, and they, they had a tussle over it. And they said that they tussled, and you know, when you bend down and you're tussling, and the guy pointed the gun right to the side of his head, the back of his head, and shot him. Yeah, the victim, Nassim Barry, grew up in the neighborhood, lived with his grandmother since he was five years old. Beautiful person. Beautiful person. I knew that it had to be over something stupid. Because I know his heart. Yeah, incredibly stupid. So this dope, this gunman, this killer asked for a cigar for free. Nassim said no. He left the shop, came back with the gun, and then shot Nassim in the head. Nassim's proud when he's over here on the corner to work and love everybody and help who he can help. Yeah, so police so far have not caught up with the gunman, but it's only a matter of time. The Supreme Court appears to be divided. After hearing arguments in cases involving how social media companies handle online content, the court is examining Republican-backed laws in Texas and Florida that were put in place over claims TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and others dislike conservative speech. The laws were enacted in 2021 after the companies banned former President Trump from their platforms. Some of the justices expressed concerns the laws could cover other platforms like Uber, Google, and Amazon Web Services. The social media companies have compared themselves to newspapers who can't be told which information to publish. But supporters of the new laws argue the companies are like telephone operators since they're transmitting content created by others, not themselves. I'm Lisa Taylor. Uh, the wildlife and animal lovers are still freaking out about Flacco's death. Flacco the owl who crashed into a building in Friday and passed away. And so now they're pushing this bill called the Flacco Act, which would have building uh, people who build buildings create these windows that would be better for birds so they you. wouldn't bang into them so often. I'm What's begging that? you. What's that? I'm begging you not to treat this story as a serious story. It's very serious. Uh, they're serious about it here. Flacco's wouldn't die in vain if we could make changes in the New York City Council to pass Flacco's law to make buildings uh, mandate that they are all bird friendly. You should see this memorial outside a tree <laughs> in Central Park. It's crazy. I'm begging you. People are less concerned with teenage girls getting raped and murdered in Gaza than this stupid bird dying. Enough. The bird is dead. Move on. Well, I'm not moving on. Our goal is to make New York City the most bird-friendly big city in the world. And we should be able to do that. There's a reason why Flacco's story captured the world. The fact that he escaped really cruel captivity to live free. (laughs) He lived free, Sid. He lived free. This woman should be put in prison, seriously. He sounds like he's talking about a Venezuelan migrant. (laughs) This guy escaped (laughs) captivity to live free. 
Do it's you know a bird. A quarter million birds die each year from collisions with buildings. Yeah, I heard this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, no. uh, and you know what? It, Flacco was like a friend. How he had us in the palm of his hands. I think he really loved. Like how captivated we were by him. <laughs> he really fed on it because he, he would just did. like jump sure. from a branch yeah, yeah. or like yawn, and just the crowd would like no idea you scream. Are. They would scream when he jumped from. What, a what is this lady's name? Her name is um, Edita Binkrant. What is her name now? Edita Binkrant. She's a very, very dangerous person. <laughs> She's a very, very sick lady. All you, kidding aside. You want me to book her for five seven twenty five? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> five fifty seven now. Yiskadab, Yiskadash, Oh, that's next. You know that's next. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get uh, Dove hiking on today to do the uh, oh, kiddish for the hour. There we go. Well, yeah. yeah. Maybe we should do a little service there outside. We should do that, yes. (laughs) We're going to get beat up so bad for this.